Welcome to a Radio 191 FM podcast. Now, at the start of August, US House Speaker Nancy Pelosi visited the island nation of Taiwan. <clears throat> it's a diplomatic move which infuriated the Chinese government, who lays, who lays claim to Taiwan. And in response to Speaker Pelosi's visit, the East Asian superpower held a series of military drills near the island and even fired missiles over Taiwan. On Sunday, the U.S. sent two guided missile cruisers through the Taiwan Strait for the purposes of demonstrating freedom of navigation, says Washington. The U.S. Navy stated that the USS Antietam and USS Chancellorsville, uh, their voyage demonstrates the U- United States' commitment to a free and open Indo-Pacific. With these high tensions between China and Taiwan, was the U.S.'s decision to send two warships through the strait a good decision? And what message is the U.S. sending China by doing so? To discuss this with me, I have politics professor Robert Patman from the University of Otago joining me. Kia ora, Robert. How's it going? Kia ora, Zach. Fine, thank you. Cool. So what message exactly is the U.S. sending China by running warships through the Taiwan Strait, a very you know, controversial and high-intensity area? Well, I think the formal message is the one that you've spelt out in your introduction. The United States is indicating um, that it will exercise its right Uh, to sail, fly and operate wherever international law permits it to do. And the United States Navy basically interprets its right. It sees the Taiwan Strait. Much of that in the United States' view is international waters where there should be freedom of navigation. And that is because that stretch of water, um, according to the American Navy, the territorial ju- uh, ju- jurisdiction of both Taiwan and China only extends to 12 miles into the sea. So, in a sense, um, that, that's the formal message, that America will continue to protect the right of freedom of navigation. I, I think the informal message, or the implicit message, is that the United States ha- believes that China has overreacted to Nancy Pelosi's visit um, and somewhat manufactured a bit of a crisis. That's the way the Americans see it. And they don't want the Chinese to in any way miscalculate in the present situation. So I think the message is the United States will remain quite staunch and will not cede freedom of navigation to China in the Taiwan Strait. And uh, the, I think the message is that China shouldn't become unnecessarily assertive in its relations with Taiwan. Remember, we're looking at this in terms of U.S. and China, but I think the United States has been deeply concerned about China's stance in relation to uh, Vladimir Putin's illegal invasion of Ukraine. Uh, Xi Jinping, the China leader, has gone on record as saying um, that... Um, Mr. Putin had, as he put it, legitimate security concerns in Ukraine. That was a bit of a shocking statement because, of course, as we all know, Mr. Putin has ripped up the UN Charter, including respect for things that China holds dear, such as territorial integrity and sovereignty. So I think there is a concern here, and this is probably you know, the informal point, that America is trying to indicate to China that just because Mr. Putin has invaded the country, that shouldn't be the green light for China to step up an assertive or coercive policy towards Taiwan. Now, as I mentioned before, um, you know, China 
ran a series of military drills over and around Taiwan mm. um, in reaction to Speaker Pelosi coming to visit. Do you think that a similar reaction will, will happen from China with the U.S. sailing two warships past the Taiwan Strait? I, I wouldn't think so because I, it's very difficult to, to gauge the reactions of an authoritarian state. Uh, there are certainly tensions within the Chinese leadership. Not everyone in the Chinese leadership agrees with Xi Jinping, but because it's a one-party state, we have to look for coded meanings in where people stand at public ceremonies and uh, and also the nuances of the way they speak. In other words, there's not official opposition by which we can gauge the domestic standing of a leader. But um, with that qualification, I, I think the Chinese are, in the, are quite annoyed, not so much by what the Americans have done, but the fact they very much publicized it. And... Um, uh, they claim that uh, this is provocative and uh, they will react and they're keeping a close eye on it. So far, these two warships have passed and they're still passing through the Taiwan Strait without incident, as far as we know. Right. So um, earlier this month in, in August, the, the Chinese ambassador, Chinese ambassador, Chinese ambassador, sorry, to Washington called on the U.S. to to halt naval transits in the area, saying that they intensify tensions and embolden quote Taiwan independent separatist forces. Um, do you think that this will, you know, do you think this has created height, more heightened tensions uh, with the U.S. sailing two ships through? No, I, I think the the thing is that China always presents this problem as being external to China, but in a sense, China's position in relation to Taiwan has become more assertive as China's power as a superpower has, has if, you, if you like, grown. And um, uh, America's policy has always been ambiguous in relation uh, to Taiwan. America pursues a one-China policy uh, that since 1971 it's recognized that there's only one China, but effectively there's two you know, political systems operating between Taiwan and China. It doesn't have diplomatic relations with China. At the same time, it does respect Taiwan as a democracy and a free and independent nation. So it is ambiguous, the American policy. I think when the Americans agreed to this policy, and that, which facilitated much closer relations between China and the United States at that stage of the Cold War back in the 70s, the assumption was, on, amongst American decision-makers in Washington, that because China was becoming, you know, a good friend, even ally of the United States at that stage, then China, the Taiwan-China issue would be resolved peacefully. What's happened since then, however, several things have complicated that, that, those, some of those assumptions. Firstly, Taiwan has become a full-blown democracy and a vigorous democracy. In addition, um, there is little appetite, it seems, in Taiwan for to be governed by China, which is an authoritarian state. It's very difficult once people experience an established democracy for them to want to go back or want to transition to authoritarian rule. So there seems to be quite serious resistance now in Taiwan to China extending its rule there. And the other thing we should point out, China's made the claim to Taiwan, but Taiwan, since the People's Republic has been established in 1949, 
Taiwan has never been part of the People's Republic of China since that time. So, in, in a sense, they're making a territorial claim which predates the formation of the People's Republic of China. Now, before you mentioned the kind of, um, what would you call it, mysterious or, or not so um, straightforward relationship between the U.S. and Taiwan, but under the Taiwan Relations Act of 1979, the U.S. is supposed to help maintain peace, security, and stability in that region uh, to promote the U.S.'s interests in, yeah. I guess, tr- in Taiwan and trading with those people. Um, what do you think the U.S. gets out of maintaining a, a relationship with the people of Taiwan and uh, trading millions of military, millions of dollars worth of military hardware to them? Uh, I, I think it's, a, from China's point of view, from the United States' point of view, is credibility as a superpower. Um, it, it doesn't always live up to its, it, it, its own um, projection or projections of what it stands for, which is uh, standing for a rules-based order and democracy, but at least it has to try, where possible, to try to live up to it. And I, I think uh, from the United States' point of view, um, if China is ruling out the prospect of peaceful reconciliation and looking like it's becoming assertive, then I think many American politicians feel they have to side with a democratic, uh, a democratic elected government. I mean, it would be very difficult for any administration to survive in Washington if it sided with an authoritarian one-party state against a vigorous and successful democratic country like Taiwan. Taiwan is an island of 23 million people, and it's very economically successful, and also now a vigorous democracy. So it would be very difficult for any... I think domestic politics is part of the answer to your question, Zach, be very difficult for any administration to survive effectively um, abandoning Taiwan in that fashion. I guess lastly, just to wrap it up, with Putin setting a new standard um, in the 21st century international political game by illegally invading Ukraine, do you think there's a likelihood that China could possibly invade Taiwan in the, in the near future? It's a possibility that's grown into sharper focus, but I think a lot will depend on the outcome of the Ukraine conflict. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, it's, it, it's not a certainty that Mr. Putin will prevail in Ukraine. Great powers can and do lose wars against lesser powers. The United States lost in Vietnam, the United States lost in Afghanistan and Iraq, and the Soviet Union lost in Afghanistan. So there's no certainty that the Soviet, uh, the Russians are going to be successful in their attempt to build a greater Russia out of Ukraine at Ukraine's expense. In fact, all the indications are that Mr. Putin's in deep trouble in the Ukraine. If Mr. Putin's troops are rejected from the Ukraine within the next year or so, um, that could well make China much more cautious in how much pressure it applies to Taiwan. China's in a very difficult position because it's an authoritarian state and having a democratic neighbor like Taiwan is potentially subversive for an authoritarian system. Um, There's lots of commercial links between the two countries and um, authoritarian states don't coexist easily with democratic neighbors as we've seen with Mr. Putin and the Ukraine. Not at all. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the program today, Robert. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Take care, Robert. 
Thanks for listening to a Radio 1 91 FM podcast. There are heaps more at r1.co.nz.